Welcome to Sports History 101, a production of the Saints Sports Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome into this episode of Sports History 101. It's me, your host, Ray Delgado. In this edition, our topic will be the legendary sports announcer, Jack Buck. So take your seats, everybody. Class is now in session. John Francis Buck was born on August 21st, 1924 in Holyoke or Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but I believe it's Holyoke. He was one of seven children born to Earl and Kathleen. Earl was an accountant for the Erie Railroad, which will be relevant later on. Holyoke, Massachusetts is about 90 miles from Boston, where the Boston Red Sox play. And in the 20s and 30s, that was the home of Jack Buck's favorite player, Jimmy Fox. Buck would go across the street from his home to a drugstore where he would listen to Red Sox games and talk about baseball with some of the men that frequented the store. He wrote in his book, it's entitled, That's a Winner, and that was his his sign-off phrase, um, as we'll go into a little later on. But as he said in that book, that's that drugstore across the street is really where he learned about baseball, uh, which is really interesting. I assume it's probably because his dad was working for the railroad and was probably working pretty long hours as the his office was not not close to home. So that's where Jack learned about baseball, about the thing that he would become renowned for. In the 1930s, baseball was truly America's pastime. It's still called that now, but it was really at its heyday back then. It started, well, I shouldn't say it started, but it was really big in the 20s as well with the Yankees and how great they were. And the 30s was just a continuation of that. Basically, all boys lived and breathed baseball, including Jack Buck and his friends. They would listen to games on the radio whenever they could. They talked about it always, and they played it all the time. Also in Buck's book, he said, I bet I've played more baseball games than half the people I'm watching now in the major leagues. We settled everything among ourselves, and we did it through sports. That's the essence of sports. You learn who you are, what you can do, and where you belong. Really inspiring words, because sports really do wonderful things for a lot of people. Like I said, the 1930s was the heyday for baseball. It was also, as I'm sure hopefully everybody knows, was the Great Depression. And as such, Buck helped his family as much as he could by selling newspapers on street corners. He would hawk newspapers, as you see in the old-time black-and-white movies, and he'd be the kid screaming on the street corner with the newspaper in his hand. And he said that's what really helped him develop his broadcasting voice, was having to yell like that and, and develop that. In 1939, the Buck family moved to Cleveland, Ohio, because of Earl's job. The Erie Railroad took him to, to Cleveland. Unfortunately, shortly after the move... Earl passed away at a really young age, passed away at only 49 years old, really basically right after the move to Ohio when Jack was just 15. 
in Cleveland, Jack continued to sell newspapers. Now, really more than ever, he had to help support the family, just like all the other kids in his family did. And his mom actually got a job as a seamstress, I believe. Uh, But Jack continued to sell newspapers just like he did in Massachusetts. And he also became a soda jerk at the Franklin ice cream shop. I had to look up what a soda jerk was. I'd heard that before, but basically they were the dedicated person to get you soda. So, but it was a little different back then. They had to like, you know, put the syrup in the cup and then put the soda water, the carbonated water and mix it around. And that would make your soda. Now we obviously have the soda machines that do that for us. Back then you actually needed somebody to do that for you. Along with taking on new responsibilities and new jobs, Jack also switched his allegiance to the Indians from the Red Sox. So he's now a Cleveland Indians fan. And while he was an Indians fan, Jack really enjoyed listening to the radio announcer, Jack Graney. He really started to figure out that he he liked to listen to the announcers. And as he did, he listened to Jack Graney of the Indians Also, he liked Red Barber and Mel Allen in New York, Bob Elson in Chicago, and what I thought was really cool is he even listened to late-night Spanish broadcasts from Cuba baseball games, which seems really cool and not something you'd really expect to be possible living in Cleveland, Ohio. From a very early age, Buck would call the play-by-play during games with his friends and also called games from the stands during Indians games, annoying his family to no end and actually forcing them to move away from him. So he, he started calling games really unknowingly from a really young age. After graduating from Lakewood high school in 1942, Buck and a friend went to work on ore boats on the Great Lakes. And in doing so, he served as a porter, a night cook, a painter, and a deckhand. As I'm sure you can probably figure out, 1942 was the middle of the Second World War. And shortly after, he started working for the an ore boat in the Great Lakes. He was drafted in July of 1943 and went to train at Fort Eustis in Virginia in anti-aircraft. He would stay there for a while as an instructor, instructor, excuse me, and then be transferred to Camp Stewart in Georgia, where he was also an instructor. He was pretty highly lauded for his voice because it could be heard basically everywhere. In February of 1945, he boarded the ship Mauritania, what was just a a passenger, a cruise liner, something like that, turned troop ship and landed in Liverpool, England. He then was sent to France and then eventually to Belgium. On March 15th, he was wounded in a battle when German soldiers started shelling his position. He had shrapnel lodged in his left arm and his left leg and was his life was spared because the shrapnel 
barely just narrowly missed the grenade hanging from his belt. Obviously, if it would have hit that grenade, it would have exploded and he wouldn't have been with us. When Buck got home from the war, he took full advantage of the GI Bill, which in part covered tuition and expenses for veterans attending college, among other things. Also worth noting that for Buck's injury in the war, he received a Purple Heart. And then after he was released from the hospital, he actually stayed in Europe until the war ended uh, because he just liked liked being there. He's actually organizing uh, different sporting contests and things like that for the troops that were hanging out in Paris and around. So back to what I was saying, when he got home, he took advantage of the GI Bill. And in the fall of 1946, he in, enrolled in the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, to study radio speech. His first broadcast came two years later in 1948 on the campus radio station WOSU, where he did the play-by-play of Ohio State basketball games with zero experience. He had no idea what he was doing. It's also cool because WOSU is still around and it's still the campus station and is so much bigger than that now that if you live in Columbus or anywhere near Columbus, you're very familiar with WOSU. In Buck's book, talking about his first experience, you know, calling the play-by-play for the basketball games, he said, I didn't know how to do these things. I just did them. It was the ultimate example of learning by experience, and I'm glad there were no tape recorders around to immortalize how bad some of those first shows and broadcasts must have been. After his first basketball game, one of the broadcasting classes he was in was assigned to listen to the game and critique him on it. The professor of the class didn't pull any punches and was the harshest critic of him and said, you better find something else to do for a living because you are definitely not good enough for this, which I'm sure was probably demoralizing, but Jack Buck did not give up. He got a job with WCOL, a local radio station, a professional radio station, while still in college, and also continued to do his broadcasts on the WOSU radio station for the basketball games and different things. He would keep that job with WCOL after graduating from Ohio State in December of 1949. Around then, the station started broadcasting the Columbus Redbirds games. The Columbus Redbirds were the AAA affiliate or a minor league team for the St. Louis Cardinals. Buck was up for the job, but he had to audition for the Columbus general manager, Al Bannister. And soon after, he got the job and traveled down to Florida for spring training. Before broadcasting his first baseball game, he was trying to decide how to approach the job. You know, there's different ways to call a game, different ways to kind of feel about different things. So he asked Columbus manager, Raleigh Hemsley, and he said, quote, if somebody doesn't catch the ball and you couldn't have caught it either, keep your mouth shut. If they didn't catch it and you could have caught it, give them hell which I think is pretty pretty great advice because you hear all the time announcers, you know, 
just really reaming a guy because he couldn't make a catch or couldn't make a throw. And there's not a chance that they could even in their best of days had done something like that. And that's not really fair. So I think that was great advice that if they don't catch it and you couldn't have either, don't say anything. But if they didn't catch it and you definitely could have, you definitely should say something. WCOL was sold in 1952. And unfortunately, the new owner wasn't interested in sports. So Jack Buck was out of a job. Three days later, though, he didn't have to wait long. He had a job with the Columbus TV station, WBNS. Now I'm giving you a lot of the call sign for the, the station, the TV stations, the radio stations. If you're from the Columbus area around here, they're familiar to you. If not, I apologize. I try to keep up. <laughs> so he got the TV station job with WBNS. And that was lucky. He only had to wait three days because he was a husband and father of three children. So that doesn't bode very well to be out of work. He, to go to backtrack a little bit, he eloped in college. Um, and I believe it was 1948. Yeah, it was right around the time when he first started broadcasting. And yeah, by 1952, had three kids. He realized something that would be pretty clear as time went on because he would just kind of keep reiterating it. But he realized then that in those early days of television, he said, quote, I knew I was going to be the sort of broadcaster who would be better off on radio. He was away from sports and Buck really missed doing sports, but he would not be away for very long which I will talk about right after this break. Baseball became a part of Jack Buck's life once again in 1953 when he started broadcasting the Rochester Red Wings games, the Cardinals' new AAA team. I believe they moved actually to Rochester. The same year, Anheuser-Busch bought the St. Louis Cardinals and all of their farm teams. So for the 1954 season, there was an opening in the broadcast booth for the St. Louis Cardinals. The Rochester general manager, Bing Devine, was so impressed with how Buck did the Red Wings broadcast that he recommended him to the Major League Baseball Club. He auditioned by calling a game between St. Louis and the New York Giants and had to wait a few weeks to hear back. In 1954, Buck was broadcasting St. Louis Cardinals baseball alongside Harry Carey. So he obviously impressed somebody because he was now in the Major League Baseball. He was in the booth with Harry Carey which if you know anything about baseball history and announcers, Harry Carey is one of the most well-known. However, Buck was worried more or less from the start because of Harry Carey's style. He was boisterous and loud and really kind of in your face with a lot of things. And Buck wasn't really sure how it would work because the Cardinals wanted him to be the same. But Buck was a lot different. He was a lot more quiet and composed. And if you've ever listened to a Jack Buck 
broadcast, which I recommend you do so. I'm sure there's something out there. You'll hear he's a lot more reserved and paints really a beautiful picture with his kind of calmness. Needless to say, they didn't really mesh well together, especially because Carrie wanted someone else for the job. There was another candidate up for it, and Jack was not it for Carrie. And Harry Carey was a guy that liked to be in control, and he was in control of his booth. The third guy in the broadcast booth for the Cardinals was Milo Hamilton, and he and Buck split time at home on the road, doing really as many innings as they could, but like I said, Carey ran the show. And one of the big issues was Carey wanted to be on the mic when something was interesting and he really hated when someone else was broadcasting and something interesting was going on. Obviously you cannot predict when something interesting is going to happen. So the other guys, Hamilton and Buck didn't get basically any innings because Harry Carey hogged them all just in case, because you never know. Cardinals broadcasts were and still are on KMOX, the CBS affiliate in St. Louis. At the time, St. Louis was the westernmost team in Major League Baseball and had a huge following. Their broadcasts reached over 10 states and into 100 plus markets. It was, it was huge. In 1955, Milo Hamilton was replaced by Go by Joe, excuse me, Garagiola, who Carey really took a liking to from the beginning and had Garagiola with him on all road trips, leaving Buck behind in the studio where he did commercials and updated baseball scores around the league. However, he also allowed him to do bowling, soccer, and wrestling on the radio and kind of round out his skill set. The 50s were not kind to Buck in the radio world. He was pushed out of the Cardinals booth completely after the 59 season and just before Christmas, which is never a welcome gift. Bob Highland was a manager at KMOX, the radio station that the Cardinals broadcasted on, which was the number one station in the country at that time. Highland, who is known in St. Louis lore as one of the greatest radio managers ever, he managed to convince Buck to stay at the station and not go get a baseball job in another city. He knew that Joe Buck, Jack Buck, excuse me, was great at what he did and that he could definitely get a job in another city, but he convinced him to stay. Highland had other ideas for Buck. And that included him hosting a nightly show from Stan Musil and Biggie's restaurant where he played records and did interviews. As time went on, KMOX was the first station to move to being all talk and no music. That's very common now, especially for sports stations where it's talk radio, it's known as that now. But KMOX was the very first station to do that. And Joe Jack Buck's show at your service 
was an interview show and one of the very first talk shows ever. So it's, it's kind of a big milestone in history. He also filled his time with public appearances, which he was a very popular guy and loved to go to go meet people and say hi and different things. He, in one year, made 385 appearances. So that's, you can do the math, that's more than once per day of an entire year. To fulfill his sports needs, he did baseball games for ABC and the Big Ten basketball game of the week. Along with those, he did a number of other things, including American Football League, the Pro Bowlers Tour, which he started with another guy, minor league hockey, the St. Louis Braves. He did the very first games for the NHL expansion franchise, the St. Louis Blues, who started in 1967. Also in that year, he broadcasted the famous Ice Bowl, the NFL championship game between the Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys. He also would go on to do Monday Night Football Radio for almost 20 years. What he really wanted to do, though, was to be back broadcasting with the Cardinals. In 1961, Buck was rehired for the opening in the Cardinals booth, again alongside Harry Carey. But the second time around, they got along a lot better. Jack Buck, in his book again, said, When Harry and I were doing the games together, we were as good a team as there ever was. His style and mine were so different that it made for a balanced broadcast. The way we approached the job, with the interest and love both of us had for the game, made our work kind of special. After being second fiddle for three World Series and 16 years after first entering the Cardinals booth, Harry Carey was fired in 1969, and none other than Jack Buck took over as the number one guy in the Cardinals radio booth for the 1970 season. Buck needed a partner, though, and after... Jim Woods only lasted a couple of years. Mike Shannon, the former Cardinals outfielder, was hired. And the two meshed right from the start and would be partners for the rest of their career, which is a lot of years, as you'll come to find out. 1975 was the only time in 30 years, starting in 1970, that Buck was not on the call for the St. Louis Cardinals. Because of his popularity and skill, he became the host of a new studio sports show on NBC called Grandstand. But the show was very poorly produced. The format was weird for Buck, and he really couldn't figure it out, so he got fired and returned to broadcasting the Cardinals. To put it a little bit further as to why he didn't like television, like we said earlier, He said, in television, all they want you to do is shut up. And I'm not very good at shutting up, which is exactly what you want for radio announcer. And Jack Buck always had something to say on the Cardinals broadcast, and it was always welcome. The Cardinals were not good in the 1970s. They were really disorganized and not disciplined. But in the 1980s, the organization was reinvigorated 
under Whitey Herzog, the new manager, and made it to three World Series in 1982, 1985, and 1987. One of Jack Buck's most famous calls of his career came during the 85 playoffs in Game 5 of the National League Championship Series, so the last game before the World Series, as the Cardinals were playing the Dodgers. Late in the game, Ozzie Smith, or the Wizard, shortstop for the Cardinals, was a switch hitter and was up to the plate. After a little working a couple pitches, he hit his very first left-handed home run to win the game. I'm going to try and do Buck's call for you. It's not going to sound anything like him, but just so you have the idea. It goes like this. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by a score of 3-2 to two on a home run by the Wizard. Go crazy. Again, that sounds nothing like him, but I did my best. Another one of his great calls was when Mark McGuire, much later, past than 85 NLCS, tied the single-season home run record of 61 in 1998, the record set by Roger Maris that he had held since 1961. And once again, I'll do one of his calls, and we'll go like this. Look at there. Look at there. McGuire flight number 61 to planet Maris. Pardon me for a moment while I stand and applaud. What a cardinal moment this is. What a baseball moment this is. I could never do his calls justice, but we're taking a quick break right now. So if you want to go look up and listen to some of Jack Buck's calls before you finish this episode, I don't blame you. We'll be right back. In 1991, Jack's son Joe started to follow in his father's footsteps, even taking over some of the broadcasts when Jack had TV games to do. As the 90s wore on, Buck was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and along with being a diabetic and other ailments, his health started to decline. Around 2000, Joe Buck Jack's son, started to take over for Jack uh, on Cardinals road trips and eventually took over all of the Cardinals broadcasts. But no matter what, even when Jack was sick, when he did do broadcasts, they were as great as ever. Cardinals fans were really sad to see him go and didn't want to let him go. Jack Buck had the knack for making the game real. He said, like talking baseball with the guy across the backyard fence. There's a quote from Rick Riley in a Sports Illustrated piece and something I thought was really, really cool because for an announcer who you've never met in your life to be able to make you feel like you're just, you're just talking with one of the guys you know is, is nothing short of amazing. And Jack Buck was nothing short of beloved. After the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. He gave a speech on the field before the first Cardinals game when baseball returned. With over 30,000 fans, 500 police officers, and firefighters in attendance, 
Jack Buck read a poem he wrote in memory of the victims and brought basically everyone to tears. He was, you know, his voice was shaking and his eyes were watering and a number of the police officers and firefighters were crying and as were a number of people in the fans because it was so powerful. You could tell that he really did care. He was a wonderful, caring person. With his health further declining, Jack Buck had fully turned over the broadcasts over to his son, Joe, in the late 90s, not 2000. On June 18th, 2002, the Cardinals played the Anaheim Angels for the first time, and after a 7-2 victory, St. Louis moved to first in the National League Central Division. After calling the game, Joe Buck went to the hospital to tell his father about the win. Following a number of surgeries over the, the preceding years and losing his ability to speak, just hours after that Cardinals game on June 18th, Jack Buck passed away on June 18th, 2002. Afterwards, in remembering Buck, there were so many people that that came out and had wonderful things to say. One of them was his longtime partner, Mike Shannon, who said, Jack was so good to so many people you'll never know. He thought about people and their situations and their walks of life. He would go out of his way to talk to the guy who parked his car, the bellhop, the guy serving the dinner, and he learned a lot from them. Something I think we should all aspire to do, to learn from everyone around us. Jack Buck received the Ford C. Frick Award in 1987, so we're backing up a little bit. The honor that is bestowed on a broadcaster that made major contributions to baseball. And he was announcer, but also he was so much more. He was the voice of St. Louis. And on August 20th, 1998, just four years before he died, he had a bronze statue dedicated in his honor that was placed in front of Bush Stadium and received the city landmark designation shortly after his death in 2002. It now, that was the old Bush Stadium, now the new Bush Stadium, and it sits off to the side of the main entrance, and it really is a wonderful tribute. Buck was nothing short of a great person and a legend in baseball history, not just Cardinals history, but baseball history. He ended his book, That's a Winner. That's what he said after every Cardinals win. He said, that's a winner. And the Cardinals still use that to this day as a, as a hashtag, actually, on their social media and, and different things, too, because that's, that's how iconic he is. He, he is Cardinal baseball. So at the end of his book, That's a Winner, summing up his life, he said, Carol, his wife, once asked me what I would say if I met the Lord. And my answer then is the same as it is now. I want to ask him why he was so good to me. A sentiment that I think we should all echo about our own lives. Well, that's all for this installment of Sports History 101. 
I hope you learned something and maybe earned a little more interest in listening to baseball on the radio. If you get the chance, there are some baseball radio announcers that are terrible, but a lot of them are good. And if you sit back and you're doing something else or just kind of hanging out on the couch, turn on the radio broadcast instead of the TV and experience that. It's different than anything that you'll get today because it's not it's not an instant gratification thing. It's not anything like that. It's really just being able to sit back and use your imagination and paint the picture of what is being spoken to you about the game from the announcer. And no one was better at that than Jack Buck. Well, until next time, everybody, stay safe and remember that Jesus loves you. Thanks for listening. Check out more content from the Saints Sports Network at saintsportsnetwork.home.blog.